Hello, Guitar Smarts listeners. This is an important announcement. Please don't skip ahead. We start this podcast with a special message. Way back in 2021, Guitar Smarts had the pleasure of interviewing the utterly fantastic Matt Long. Matt is a multiple award-winning British blues guitarist and lead singer of the British blues band Catfish and hard rock outfit The Revenant Ones. He joined us for episode number 20 and was a truly gracious guest who spoke about his career, his childhood, guitars and meetings his hero, Joe Bonamassa. Well, Matt needs your help. Through 2023, Matt has been undergoing treatment for bowel cancer, and his recent prognosis has meant that to extend his life and retain a chance of survival, he needs to seek private treatment outside of the NHS. Matt's family have set up a GoFundMe page that is linked in the Guitar Smarts link tree in the description of this podcast. And we at the Guitar Smarts podcast would like to invite each and every listener to consider donating towards this fund that could well save the life of one of the brightest guitar talents of our generation. Now is the time, folks. Head on over to the link in the description to find the GoFundMe page. Donate what you can. Your donation could save a life. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. It should be something that you find beautiful to look at as well, because if, even if it satisfies yeah. all of those points that you made and it plays brilliantly and it's in perfect condition, if it still looks like a Parker fly, you're not going to want to play it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, oh, the fear multiplier of the guitar. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Was it as ugly as the fear multiplier? That is the worst car that anybody has ever yeah. decided to build in my life (laughs) gee whiz Greetings, welcome to another Guitar Smarts Podcast. Thanks very much for downloading. So, if you've ever bought a used car, you'll know that it's fraught with danger. You've got to know the history, you've got to know that it hasn't been mistreated, do your research on the cars that you're looking at, and generally build a lot of confidence in the process. This week we're talking about buying used guitars, and the process is really very much the same. You've got to feel confident, and you've got to feel informed, and you've got to ask questions and know as much as you can, and and try and get yourself past a threshold of confidence that you making the right decision. Uh, So that's what we're talking about this week. The pitfalls and tips and uh, all about buying used guitars. Come and follow us on our social media pages. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash guitar smarts. Come and give us a like there. And you can find us on Instagram as well at guitar underscore smarts. And remember in whatever podcast app that you choose to listen to us on subscribe or follow so that it automatically downloads. That really helps us to grow as well. And if you can give us a thumbs up or a rating in your podcast app that will also really help with getting us into search results for a guitar-based podcast. Anyway, that's enough waffle from me. Let's get to it. Hey, Kieran. How are you doing, mate? You well? I'm really good, buddy. I'm, I'm really looking forward to today's chat, um, uh, today, today's conversation. Yeah, I'm really good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Busy couple of weeks. Uh, the weather's been fantastic. I've been loving that. It's not good today. But, you know, why do we always talk about the weather, by the way? It's because we're British. That's right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm good, happy, you know, it works good, family's good. Um, we're actually self-isolating at the moment because the NHS app told us to. Uh, but we're all okay, you know, all negatively tested um, and, and we're all healthy and happy. And yeah, um, but yeah, I'm good. I'm good. What about you? What's been happening with you the last couple of weeks? Uh, so last couple of weeks, um, well, uh, a few few different things. Uh, so uh, in terms of guitar stuff, yeah. Um, 
doing loads of mods to uh, some of the Tokai Les Pauls, mm. uh, the two to the Tokai Les Pauls that I bought, uh, and that's gone really, really well. So <clears throat> I think we're going to have a chat, aren't we, uh, on an upcoming podcast about the mods that I've been doing and some of the mods that you've been doing to your gear as well. So we can yeah, go it's a good point. I haven't done the usual weekly check of what is hung up and on stands behind you, just to make sure because I have missed <laughs> one previously. And you, you said, said I was. <laughs> I was losing it. Yeah, it all looks good and well. We were recording a podcast last week and I had a brand new guitar hanging literally right above my head and didn't notice for the entire podcast. It's brilliant. You are slipping, mate. You are slipping. So um, we'll do an episode on the mod stuff. But yeah, I've had had a great week of stripping down these two guitars back to their components. Uh, Not that there was anything wrong with them, but I could see the potential that could be unleashed from them by a few simple mods. So that's that's all been done now. And it's been such a rewarding process. Um, So that's that's been brilliant to do. And then uh, band rehearsals are going pretty well. So we are scheduled to be out and gigging from the 3rd of July but that first gig certainly may may have been scuppered by the change in the rules. Um, we were supposed to go back to our new normal on the 21st of June, but uh, Boris has announced that uh, that's going to be delayed until the 19th of July. So just kind of, <clears throat> uh, kind of keeping an eye on that so when, when gigging can begin. And then from the podcast side of things, mate, we uh, we hit uh, two thousand uh, downloads uh, this this last week. So I'm yeah. delighted, delighted How with that. That's that? incredible. And in almost exactly half the time it took us to do a thousand. So yeah, so we yeah. did a thousand downloads in in about four months, um, and then we've hit two thousand about two months after that. So we're growing nicely. Yeah. And it's obviously thanks to you know if you're listening, thank you very much for joining us on this because uh, yeah, it's really nice to see people listening and downloading. So thank you. It really really is and some of the countries that that folk are based in it's just would i just love to hear from them i mean we've got an incredible uh, group of of people following us in the us in a range of different states which which would be mm. brilliant I'd, I'd love to love to hear from those folk and we're going to give give you at least some of those states a, a shout out in in kind of future podcasts and, and things like that um we've got some really good followers in the uk obviously that's where we're based but uh, you know some other countries, uh, you know, featuring like Canada and uh, Philippines. Um, we've got some people listening in the Philippines, which is absolutely amazing. So yeah, it's just brilliant to see kind of the global reach of what you can do with these podcasts and the fact that there are people in such wide ranging countries that are that are listening to us um, for us to hit those kind of numbers and, and keep growing, which is brilliant. Um, <laughs> now that's the assumption that I'm working on. Uh, it, it could all be it could all be somebody based in in, in London using a VPN and just uh, bouncing it off the, <laughs> off the Philippines. I have, I, have, I have no idea how, the, how these <laughs> metrics work, but I'd like, I'd like to believe that there are some people in the Philippines listening to us avidly every, every week, which would be amazing. So if, if, the, if you're genuinely there in the Philippines listening to us, uh, as well as the US, etc., get, get in touch. Tell, tell us who you are. Tell us what you like. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, yeah. That would be so cool to hear from from people. Awesome. So, what are we talking about this week, Kieran? Because this is a this is an interesting one. I've been looking forward to this subject. Well, I think I think um, I think we've got a lot to learn from each other on this one, yeah. and, and, and something we could have a good chat about. Um, so, back in episode nine, we um, uh, for our listeners who, who um, will, uh, have li- heard that episode, we challenged ourselves uh, around spending three hundred uh, British pounds, around four hundred US dollars, there or thereabouts on either a new guitar or a second-hand guitar. 
And uh, one of the things that came out of it is we were, I think it's fair to say we were a little bit uh, sad, disappointed maybe to see the state of what was on the secondhand market in terms of people's expectations around price and, you know, value that that represented. Would you say we were a bit bit miffed about yeah, that? definitely. And I, th- um, I seem to remember that you laid the blame squarely at the feet of Joe Bonamassa, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> I, I seem did. to remember. <laughs> I blame Joe Bonamassa for a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, he deserves it all. You know, incredible musician, yeah. super talented, knows his guitar, the, the Joe knowledge inside effect. out. Yeah. We're being facetious there, obviously. We, you know, we love Joe Bonamassa, but I, I know what you meant. I think there was an element of, um, you know, I think a lot of people that are selling equipment and it's, I got to say, I think it's specific to guitars, right? I don't see this with mm. pedals. I th- actually think, you know, um, people go to the second-hand market for guitars and pedals and amps. Um, everything else you need, people tend to buy new. You very rarely see second-hand guitar leads and accessories and things like that. Yeah, Pedals, right. I always see, um, if I'm looking on eBay or, or second-hand sections of, you know, the main retailers, I think the prices reflect correctly a lot of the time what you should expect to pay for something that's mm-hmm. That's second hand. It does seem to be guitars, just electric guitars specifically, I think. Well, there seems to be, you know, or at least that's what we found in episode nine, right? It seems to be a miscalculated expectation from, from a lot of sellers as to what is a reasonable price um, to expect of a guitar. Is that, that how you felt about it as well? Yeah, it is. It is. Absolutely, mate. And I agree with you. I think it is probably more acute with the guitar market. Certainly, it's very rare that you see uh, that a a pedal has massively appreciated in value and increased based on mm-hmm. the time it was bought, unless yeah. it's obviously something ridiculous like the Clon Centaur or, or, or that ilk. Um, most people, <clears throat> you know, um, charge a fair price for what is a used piece of gear, provided it's, you know, all in good working working order. But mm. we were seeing some strange things and still are seeing some strange things going on, on with guitars in terms of price and value. Um but, you know, I, I, I would I say that in, and I didn't want to put anybody off. And I think I don't think we wanted to put anybody off in terms of buying used gear and particularly used guitars, because that is a, that should be a really you know buoyant market. And people f- should feel you know encouraged to do that, because I think there are still some bargains out there that you can find with a bit of knowledge. And particularly if you're looking for gear that's been discontinued or kind of, you know, isn't as widely available new now um the secondhand market is, is is still a good place to go so we thought well let's have a chat about you know some some basic common sense things when buying used guitars um and how to avoid some potential costly mistakes from you know uh, a kind of mechanical and technical point of view on the guitar what to look out for um and also then just to make sure you get a fair price and, and buy something that is is exactly what you think you're you're buying and you know I've had experience of, of doing this myself in terms of selling and, and buying guitars. You've got great experience of doing this, Matt, as well, particularly with kind of used gear from different kind of platforms and things. So I think it'd be just a really useful, helpful chat that people can take, again, a few things away from, maybe even a little list, a mental list of things to, to consider when they're looking at buying this gear that they can just run through so they end up with something that they're happy with rather than something that they end up having regretted buying. Mm-hmm. 
So, that's, that's really good. So, I mean, it's almost like buying a used car, isn't it? It's, it's kind of, yeah. you know, some basic things, some things you should check, um, you know, questions you should ask of the person. You don't want to be buying yourself a, a complete lemon. Um, yeah, exactly. So, so, so where do you want to start with this? Because obviously, um, you know, there are things that you should expect to check of an instrument, but should we start with where you go looking for, for these things? Where, where to look for good deals? Yeah, I, th- I think that I think that makes sense, mate. I mean, look, I would say as a general principle, um, it's you should really try to um, play the guitar that mm-hmm. you're looking to buy um, wherever possible before buying it. Um, and we'll go on to a checklist of some of the things to look out for and um, and kind of uh, figure out on the guitar that you're buying. But <clears throat> the, you know, often often than not these days, there is. Uh, you know, remote purchasing of this stuff going on through the online kind of portals. And Mm. so, you know, you can use the checklist we're going to talk about as well, wherever possible, to try and determine those things about the guitar before you buy it online as well. But yeah, there's, there's so many places now. So... I mean, where where are you buying a lot of your stuff from? Is it is it eBay where you go f- as your go to place for secondhand gear, or you know, Reverb? Yeah. There's there's a there's a whole bunch of different places. There is a bunch of different places. Um, I, eBay, I think, is number one for me in terms of finding what it is I'm looking for because I, it, there seems to be a more um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just a higher rate of things to to find. I can generally find what I'm looking for mm. on eBay. Mm. I recently purchased. Uh, a, um, a TC electronic Nova system, which is the second one I've had. And I got that off yeah. eBay for a good deal. There was plenty available, yeah. which helps obviously to keep the price, uh, you know, at a good level. I got a really good mm-hmm. deal on it in terms of price. It's not in perfect Nick, but um, I wasn't looking for one that had to be in perfect Nick anyway. I was looking for one that was in the price point I was looking for. And I knew what I could expect in the price point I was willing to pay. So, so I found I had more options on eBay really. There is obviously the risk of you're not you're not getting to see it before you buy it, but um, that's a risk I was willing to take. So eBay is, you know, that's where I generally go. Um, the also, also for me, it's convenient because because we've and we've discussed this a few times. But I have a kind of a one in one out policy. You know, if I know I need something new, um, I'll often try and fund it as mess, as best as I can by uh, selling the things that it's likely to replace. So I had a few pedals to sell to make room for this Nova system. So I sold those on eBay, and I'm buying the new thing on eBay as well. So it's kind of like it makes makes for a convenient process to to do that um so ebay is where i've most often bought things from i've never actually bought anything from reverb although i do quite often go Mm. on there to look for something if it's not on ebay um Mm. uh, but have you used have you used ebay and reverb as well before yeah i've used both of them yeah i've used both of them um I, I I agree with you. I think I think there's probably more people and, and and a bigger market right on on eBay. So you can generally get a few more different choices of where to purchase stuff from on eBay, um, which is quite handy. Reverb obviously is a more specialist musician site. So I think what you get from uh, Reverb is probably more dedicated traders, specialists in in the type of thing that we're talking about, which is, you know, guitars and, mm-hmm. and used musical gear, which can be can add that additional level of reassurance, right? And mm-hmm. reverb's really useful as well for kind of tracking what market values of, of gear is going for because you can see previous sale prices and um it's I think it's obviously a platform that's just better geared up to searching and looking for guitars and musical equipment. So so I like I like reverb. 
reverb and i've and i've bought i've bought stuff off reverb as well mm-hmm. um uh quite comfortably and, and quite successfully with 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 no issues i don't think the bargains are as as, as uh profound or as as, as you know uh, available on reverb because mm-hmm. you've probably got a, a marketplace where uh sellers traders you know buyers are more tuned into exactly what what it is they've got and selling or are looking to buy so yeah. you tend to get you tend to get uh i would say more you know fair market value to people also trying to charge more for for the gear than it's worth because of things like appreciation and yeah the joe joe Bonamassa a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a less diluted marketplace like exactly eBay obviously exactly. is a massive massive place whereas reverb yeah. is very much the people who are coming to reverb to shop uh you know it's right. it's they're very focused on the product so yeah yeah Exactly. And then eBay, I mean, without sounding too opportunistic, sometimes the people selling stuff on eBay um, don't necessarily know the value of what that is going for because they're selling it on mm-hmm. behalf of someone or they've not, you know, if you've chosen to list something on eBay, you know, I think then you might, you might end up getting a better bargain sometimes. Yeah. Like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gross generalization, but um, yeah, may, maybe, maybe that's the virtues of eBay, but with both of those sites, it's kind of useful that you can see the seller's ratings and, you know, uh, their kind of track record and their feedback. So I think that's, that's all really, really useful for those sites. And you can engage with those kind of sellers and ask them questions and do your homework with them and stuff so you know both both great sites obviously that people will be will be familiar with but obviously you're still buying site unseen generally unless unless you use the kind of search facilities and filter facilities to narrow down what you're looking for to your local geography and then arrange with the the seller to maybe come and try it out and things but you know uh the chances of that are are. yeah and then you've got things like facebook marketplace um Mm which I've started to look at and use again, Facebook marketplace just feels a little bit less regulated to me. And, um, but you know, I do look at, look at stuff on, on Facebook marketplace and see if there's people, you know, putting bargains. The process is is quite convenient. And I, and generally I find it better for local like searches of stuff and things like that, because, um, it's the way, the way that works. Um, but then, you know, you've got, you've got guitar stores you can go to for, for secondhand gear, uh, online and, uh, you know, physically in person. Yeah. And then th- there's like the network of people that you speak to and, and the guy down the pub who's, <laughs> I've bought, I've bought stuff from, I've bought stuff from people down the pub when they've said, Oh, you, you play guitar. I've got one of these for sale. Would you be interested in it? So, you know, you can, there's all kinds of places you can go to get used gear what do you think are the risks with with uh with so the methods that we've just spoke about in terms of buying and selling what what are the risks with using these services and how do you mitigate them so yeah i mean look some of these services like the ebay and 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 like reverb type sites right obviously they will have a degree of buyer protection built into them in terms of protecting you against fraudulent transactions and if you pay on credit card and stuff like that then maybe again that can help you uh, depending on where you are and what, what credit card you know laws and stuff you have, but certainly here in the UK, certain purchases above a hundred quid, up a hundred pounds, are protected by by credit carding in case it all goes terribly wrong. But um, I think the biggest the biggest thing is uh, not being able to physically hold the guitar in your hands and try it out and see if it is what you think it is, 
in the condition that you, you know, think it is in or it's being described as being in, in your hands and to see if it's the right thing for you. So I think it's fine for buying things like pedals or, you know, other, other gear amps even where you've just got to be assured and feel confident that if somebody says to you it's in good working order, that, that is, it, it is in good working order. Whereas buying a guitar, Guitars are are unique and, and different things, even from the same model to you know examples of the same model can can vary by yeah. by, by tolerances and and particularly when you get into buying used gear, it can be very difficult even from really high res photographs to really see you know the types of things that you want to check out. Um, I mean, how how can you really determine you know the level of fretware or the if the action's right or if there's a twisted neck or you know if the electronics are you know you know on their way out from from photos you've got to, you've got to rely on some what somebody's telling you so i think i think that's probably the biggest risk but again through this checklist of things that we'll talk about today you can you can ask some intelligent questions yeah. of people of the of, of the of the vendor um but i would say wherever possible particularly if you're buying a guitar try and get the opportunity to go and try it out especially if you're spending a considerable sum of money um go make the effort to go and try it out first before you before you buy it mm-hmm. you may well have found it on online on one of these sites but you know try and find it locally or within a driving distance that you can get to before you exchange with your with your cash is what i would what i would say i don't know how do you how do you feel about that would you be happy to just spend that sum of money based on a, a description alone without um hmm. I, it depends what i'm buying depends depends what i'm buying if it's a pedal or or even an amp to be honest if it's a pedal or an amp um i think if the price is is reasonable and what you know what i expect and questions can be asked i mean an amp for example mm. you 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 could get the seller to potentially film or record you know film them playing through it so you know the functionality can be verified you know likewise with the pedal that's good idea. Um, not much really can go wrong with pedals and if a pedal's been mistreated it might be obvious anyway from the pictures if it's really kind of you know scratched up and you can see if a pedal's all scratched up you think well that's not lived its life on a pedal board that's been in somebody's bag and it's been rattling around for, for years or whatever um, so I, don't, I think the risks uh, are kind of you know you make your own choice if you're going to pay top money for a, like a Strymon timeline second hand um, you should expect it to be in perfect nick with the box and things like that but if you're getting yourself a you know like a, a an old boss sd1 something and it's, and it's on the market for 25 quid you shouldn't expect it to be in perfect condition you should expect it to work you might you know see that it's got one non-original knob on it <laughs> you know it's it's kind <laughs> of you have to decide for yourself what you're expecting to get for the price that you can afford to pay so that that's the first thing i would say now if, if you're going and getting a guitar then i think the same thing applies you know, if you want a perfect, let's say, Epiphone Les Paul, you just recently sold one, didn't you, secondhand? And, I did, And yeah. you sold it for what would have been a reasonable price on the market. I think you were happy with the price you sold it for, but that guitar was in mint condition, right? Um, now, if you were a buyer looking for an Epiphone Les Paul and you didn't want to pay that kind of price, I think you have to remember to reconcile your expectations with the price you're willing to pay. You know, if you're only willing to pay 150 quid, you should know what to expect for 150 quid 
It's not going to be perfect. So if you're buying from a distance and you don't have any kind of distance set buying protections like we sometimes get in this country with the Distance Selling Act and things like that, um, then yeah, you need to reconcile your expectations with what you're willing to pay. And then go from there, then take the risk if you want to take the risk. I mean, um, if you're looking to buy, you know, uh, like a Gibson 335 or something like that, you need to check it out. You need to go and play it. You need to go and see the person and you need to play it and make sure you're happy because if you're exchanging hundreds and hundreds of pounds, maybe thousands of pounds for something secondhand, go and check it out. If you can, if you can reconcile what your what you expect, what your what your budget is with what you expect to get for that budget, then you know the risks are your own. Take them if you want. But obviously, when you get into a certain part of the market, where let's say you're looking to buy, you know, maybe a vintage instrument or something like a Gibson three three five that might even secondhand, relatively new, nothing particularly unique, still might go into the thousands of pounds. There really is nothing other than to go and try it out. You have to try it out. You have to get it in your hands. So I think I think it changes from you know requirement to requirement. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so look, shall we shall we get into this list of maybe some of the things to to kind of check out if you can see the guitar in person, ideally, but even if you can't to try and get the seller to take some pictures or I really love what you said about getting them to do a quick video of it Mm. just so you can check out some of these things or at the very least you can ask some questions yeah. of the vendor about certain certain things on this list. Mm-hmm. Does should we should we get into into some of those? Yeah, and I guess one thing just to just to add it, it falls down to in some degrees you set your you set your own standard, don't you, for what you think you want to be. Yeah. At, you know, if if you want to hear an amp, if you if you say to yourself, I won't accept buying a new amp unless I can hear it being played first and mm. all the controls work, and then the buyer says, Well, I'm not going to do that, then you should stick with your standard. You don't go, well, I do want that amp. I'm going to take the risk. You should remember to set the limit for what the minimum you would accept um, being fulfilled before you kind of take the risk on something secondhand and don't let that waver. Sorry to interrupt this super interesting conversation. However, if you've made it this far, maybe you should subscribe to the Guitar Smarts podcast. Go and do that now and then let's get right back to it. That's a really good point, Matt. And, and and linked to that, I think it's important to say that this list is a list of things to check out and see yeah. what condition they're in. That doesn't mean if any of these things aren't perfect that you should walk away from the deal because a number of these things on this list can be fixed, can be, you know, uh, adjusted or can be remedied by a good guitar tech and actually could be the difference between you getting a really good bargain price and then spending a bit of money getting some of these items rectified. Mm. Or some of them, some of them, um, particularly if they're cosmetic, might not even bother you. So mm. it's not, it's not, it's a, it's a, it's a non-issue. And as you say, it's uh, just part of buying a used guitar. So yeah, I think this list is just a mental uh, list of things to work through just to kind of go, yeah, I've checked all these a- areas out and you know, some of them might be deal breakers. Some of them might just be useful for negotiation with the, with the um, seller um, or some, or something to get remedied. Um, if you're happy with the overall price that that is being charged for the guitar. Yeah. 
Um, so look, I'm, I'm not going to make this list too too um, in depth mm-hmm. uh, because I want it to be a quick kind of mental list of things. But but by all means, you know, stop me and, and kind of you know ask why you'd want to check some of these things out or what it would look like if it's not not right. And we can we can go into some of those detail. Um, if, so I, I would I would say. Like first and foremost, before you even start playing playing the guitar, if you've if you've managed to get it into your hands, kind of have have, have a kind of logic to how you're going to check out this this guitar, right? And some of these things will apply to when you're looking at a new guitar. But I've tried to look at this from the perspective of buying a used guitar because there'll be things about this series of of different things on the checklist which will you'll definitely want to scrutinize if it's been used because that it can affect the way that the that the guitar plays. So I think the first thing is 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 start at one end of the guitar and work your way down. So I I I look at the headstock area first. So mm. first thing for me, headstock area, uh check if uh the back of the headstock, see if there's been any breaks or repairs or if there's any cracks there. It's a particularly weak point on a number of guitars, particularly um Gibson model guitars which you know, if, if dropped on the headstock can cause it can cause a crack, which is often repairable. And if done competently by somebody who knows what they're doing, you know, can look um, really good and even be stronger than it was originally. But if it's done well, so just just have a look at the back of the headstock. Hopefully what you're looking for is a non-damaged, you know, uh, non-repaired headstock. But if it has been repaired, you just kind of want to want to know about it in, in advance. Um, so, so then while we're up there at the headstock area, kind of check the machine heads as well. Pretty obvious stuff there. But just on a used instrument, make sure that the, it, there's no uh, kind of excessive like looseness to the way in which the gearing is working on them or, or any kind of grinding where there's, you know, they're kind of dried out or got dirty inside the actual machine head mm. unit. Because if that is the case, then you're probably looking at wanting to change those out. Um, and so, you know, that, that's, that's going to cost a bit of money to do that. And machine heads aren't generally things you, uh, would tend to repair, particularly the inner mechanism of it. You just swap them out. So, um, it could be a cost, um, if you wanted to do that. Um, and then, so working down through the through the uh, other parts of the neck, uh, the nut. Have a look at it. See what it's made of. Is it a bone nut? Is that's what is that's what it's being described as? Is it some kind of graft tech thing? Has it been cracked? You know, nuts uh, through particularly through use, and you know, if the guitar's been rested on tables or and stuff like that, can you know have bits chipped off them sometimes? Can have cracks. It can um, it can have been adjusted or been cut badly by the current owner. So. Just have a look at the nut. Again, it's not a, it's not a difficult thing for any guitar tech to remedy and replace, but you just want to know if that's something that you're going to have to address um, based on the condition of it or or if it's been adjusted. And um, quite a useful tip to check if the nut is at the been cut to the right height uh, is if you press down uh, if you press down on the fourth fret of the um, uh, neck and then uh, with your thumb and then lever over with your index finger and and kind of measure the kind of amount of clearance at the first fret there should be just the smallest amount of clearance uh, at the at the first first fret if you if you're holding down also at the at the fourth fret and that that will tell you if uh, if the nut is in is, is is certainly at the right height or not um or if it's been, been adjusted 
I've got a quick question for you, if you don't mind me just interjecting. Yeah, please. Um, oh, yeah, please do, please. No problem. So, so is there a fine line then here between trying to check if there are deficiencies in, in the guitar's setup that, that need to be corrected, or if they are simply setup preferences of the seller? Um, and, and how do you know when one should be used as a bargaining tool and one is just, well, I just need to have it set up to my preference here? There's a difference there that shouldn't affect price. Yeah, you're, you're, that's a really key question. And so, so all of the things that I'm talking about here are deficiencies in the guitar that would need to be rectified to make it then playable or allow it to be set up, but you know, to a player's particular mm-hmm. preferences. So you're absolutely right. Guitars can be set up and should be set up to the individual playing it. And so it's not really good form to to go along and and say, well, I'm not going to buy this guitar because the action's not set properly for me or it's either too high or it's too low Mm -hmm. and I'm not buying it until you go and have it set up to my specs. That's that's not what we're talking about here. But if we use the last example, you know, uh, and if you've checked out the nut and you can see that there's, you know, excessive wear to the grooves of it or, you know, it's, it's, it's had a chip taken off it such that a string, you know, is pinging out of one of the slots or, you know, indeed it's been cut too low by somebody again something that happens on used guitars i see that a lot right on new if i'm looking at a new guitar generally speaking what i'm seeing is that the factory have deliberately cut it with a higher tolerance mm-hmm. than what it could actually go down to because they don't want any any buzzing or, or kind of choking of strings so they, they give a bit more clearance than is actually necessary to have it playing optimally right. so they'll, they'll, they'll have left it a bit higher but what I see on a lot of used guitars is if they've been set up by somebody or somebody's had a go at cutting the nut slots properly and they, and they weren't quite sure what they were doing often or not uh, they go too low. It's like a really common common mistake. People just go, oh, the nut's too high. I'll have a go at it with some files. And it's one of those jobs where it's so easy to just go a bit too far and then the guitar doesn't play as well as it should. So if, if you're seeing that that's happened with the nut on a used guitar, that would be a point of negotiation or a point of, of kind of discussion with the seller to say, you know what, this nut's been cut a bit too mm-hmm. low or there's some damage to it. I'm going to need to replace the nut as a result of that. So that's going to run me X, X amount with my local guitar tech is, but I love the guitar. Is there anything we can do on the price of it? Because, you know, that's got to be, be remedied. Um, so that's, that's the kind of angle that I'm coming at. And yeah. similarly, you know, for machine heads or stuff like that, you know, if they're, if they're not functioning in the way that they should, that should be a point of discussion rather than you going, I just don't like the style of the machine heads that have been put on this guitar. I wanted, you know, Grovers instead of Clusens or right. whatever. That's, that's personal preference. So, it's, in, so yeah. it's, it's incumbent upon the buyer then to make sure they understand the difference between a defect and a preference, right? You think? I, I mean, that's, that's what, I, that's think, what so. I think. You know, if I, if I want to go and buy a guitar and it's set up poorly, but there's nothing inherently wrong, yeah. I need to understand that, well, is this set up poorly? Or is it just set up for somebody else who prefers it like this? Um, and, you know, exactly. and I, I, it was something we've spoken about before, actually. I think when we were talking about budget equipment back, uh, you know, some of the early podcasts is even buying new guitars, it's good to factor in the cost of a good setup for a new guitar as well. Mm. Because new guitars, as you just said, out of the box, they're set up to a particular tolerance, a particular standard to allow the buyer to then make additional adjustments to suit them. You know, you can take material off but you can't add it back on so cool okay moving along then what are the next things that you would check 
So um, we've looked at the headstock, we've looked at the machine heads, we've looked at the nut to see if there's any kind of uh, cracks, repairs, height issues with it that are fouling the, the kind of strings. Now we're going to look at the, the, so we're working our way down towards the, the rest of the guitar now. So we're going to have a little bit of a closer look at the neck itself and particularly the fretboard. So, you know, is it dry? Are there any cracks? Have any of the inlays started to unseat themselves if it's got some nice inlays in mm-hmm. there? Um, you know, that's just, you know, gives you a gauge of how well the guitar might have been cared for. Again, not something you would necessarily see on a new instrument, although it might come a little bit dry and a, and a bit of oiling will fix that. But on a used instrument that's not been stored correctly or um, been treated well, um, particularly if it's an older instrument, you know, that a, a dry fingerboard could turn into, you know, a, a, a cracked fingerboard mm. or, you know, um, something where, you know, the inlays have started to move or, 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 or what have you. And then, you know, in turn, the frets, this is something, you know, uh, where you're going to get a real indication as to what you're buying, right? Um, and, you know, have a look at how the guitar frets are in terms of what what's the wear mm-hmm. on them like. <clears throat> is it even is it even wear across the length of the neck? Are there particular areas where the frets have been more heavily played? Like we often see, you know, particularly between the first and seventh frets or things like that. Um, you often tend to see some some more wear. Again, not an issue. You know, it's a used guitar. You know, you, you're probably wanting it to have a bit of wear on it to show that it's been loved and played yeah. and enjoyed by somebody. Um, but you know, at the same time, you want to ensure that the that you're paying an appropriate price for something if if the frets are causing any issue with how the action can be set for you because there are some divots on there, there is some excessive fret wear that you would want to have rectified. Again, it's another discussion point, isn't it, with the seller. Um, I would I would always check there is enough kind of meat left on the fret wires across the length of the neck to allow for at least one, uh, if not two, uh, full leveling and recrowning of the frets. You know, you, you don't want to be buying a guitar necessarily that's right on the verge of needing a refret mm-hmm. because that's an expensive job. Unless the price of the guitar and you know what the guitar is kind of justifies the fact that yeah, you know, it's still a great guitar and it's just going to need a refret. But you know, it, these are all things just to be aware okay. of that you might have to outlay on. You know, quick question. So. Um, I wouldn't know how much material is enough for a recrown uh, or, you know, a, mm. so if, if you're, if you're like me, uh, what's, what's the best way to maybe gauge if, if you've got enough material on the existing frets for a, a for a, um, a level and a recrown, is there a way to check that? Is it, is there a tool you should buy or? Not, not really. Uh, I mean, there are tools mm-hmm. you can buy in terms of you can use like a digital set of calipers and things like that to kind of measure the exact height of the, the frets that are there. Um, I think this is one of those things that you just kind of look at by eye mm. and you speak to the you speak to the, the the person selling it and say, has it has it had a recrown or a refret before? Mm. Um, and you kind of have to visually just look and see. I mean with a with a full level and recrown, you're probably going to be taking anywhere I mean, we're talking like like uh, fractions of millimeters uh, in some instances off mm. the fret wire. But what I would say is, if you're looking at the profile of the fret wire, so you know, kind of sighting it from the edge of the the, fing- the fingerboard and across the width of the neck, you're, you're going to be wanting there to be at least a couple of couple or three mil of, of, of fret wire there to to allow for some 
leveling and, and recrowning. So if it looks like the fret wire is really close, really close to the to the board, um, it may have already been leveled and recrowned. And then if you've got some you know divots and and real flat spots, you might look at that and go, mm, there's. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of wire left there. It's so, I mean, that's a long-winded way of saying, you know, for, for most people, there's, unless you're going to take along a set of digital calipers and, and kind of measure the height of the fret and, and all of that, which I wouldn't advise kind of necessarily yeah. doing. If you're, if you're concerned about it, you know, um, take some pictures, get some advice from a guitar tech before you park the cash if it's a particularly expensive piece of guitar. That's a good tip. But, um, that's a really great bit of advice. Yeah, there. Take just take some pictures. If you're, if you're, if you're unsure, yeah. Yeah, if you're unsure, if you're, if you're looking at it, because I can quite easily tell from a picture, and I do this mm-hmm. for, for people for quotes and things, when they go, oh, I, I think I need a refret or whatever. I'm like, can you just take some really nice close-up pictures, if you mm-hmm. can, of the of the frets across the fretboard and um, and take them some at a distance and take some close-up? And I can generally gauge from a photo whether it, there's enough meat left on there to, to do um, some just levelling and recrowning yeah. versus doing a, a full refret. So, so again, um, going back to personal yeah. preferences, so I guess as also a gauge to be made here of maybe there's enough meat left on the on the frets for for a leveling and a recrown but will that take the frets below what you prefer as a guitarist so some mm. guitarists like quite tall skinny frets some of them like you know relatively flat you know fat fret wire so it, a lot of this is also about taking your preferences into account in finding the right instrument as well as looking for defects and things to be concerned about right exactly and um I think if you are concerned in any way, yeah, you know, ring up your local tech and get get their advice on it, or just don't feel pressured into into making yeah. a purchase. Your, your gut will tell you whether it's the right thing or not, and and you'll be able to play it and see also, you know, how much fret wear there is on the guitar. You can physically see, visibly see, you know, little indentations you know and flat areas that can cause buzzing and choking <clears throat> when you're trying to play or, or string bend and you know minor little dings and divots and wear into the frets is is completely normal right it's part of part of owning a, a guitar if you can i would say if you can run your fingernail across the top mm. though of those um dings and indentations on the fret wire and if you can physically feel your your thumbnail let's say sinking into those dents and divots then that is definitely likely to be something that's going to interfere with how the action can be set on that guitar and potentially the playability of that guitar. If you slide your fingernail across the top of those those um, indentations on the fret wire that you mm. see, and it's not really very uh, kind of uh, noticeable by by you know the way in which your fingernail sinks into those, it's probably probably going to be fine, and it's just a, a cosmetic piece of wear rather than a an, an intrusive piece of wear that's going to in, foul the, the the string cool okay so you mentioned action then is action is is that the next piece yeah. to look at <clears throat> yeah it is and it goes back to the point that you were saying matt which is around personal preference mm-hmm. right if it feels a little bit too high or a little bit too low um for your own playing style probably just a personal preference thing and that can be adjusted mm-hmm. so no issues there what we're talking about here is things like if it's way, way too low, where it's, you know, really causing buzzing and choking out on the strings, you, you'd want to be trying to understand why that might be. And again, this could be a could be a little red flag. Similarly, if it's like way, way too high, where you just go, well, how has anyone been playing this guitar? The likely answer is, is they probably haven't. 
and there could be and that's why they're selling it and it could be due to some you know more serious issues with either the truss rod that you know is is not working correctly bowing in the wood of the neck or, or or the way in which the neck has been glued in or you know bolted onto the guitar which is causing it to be at the completely the wrong angle we're talking about like serious action yeah. issues here yeah. you know and and i've and i've i've sadly seen people you know that have brought guitars to me thankfully not too many it doesn't happen that often but where they go yeah i just i've just not really enjoyed playing this guitar because the action's way too high and i've just never really got on with it so it just needs a decent setup and you, then you kind of look into it and you have to break the news to them that, you know, this used guitar that they've bought, or even in some instances, a new guitar that they've bought has got some more serious issues with the neck, which means no amount of, of, of adjusting or tweaking is going to bring that action down unless we remedy what is a significantly more expensive issue with the neck, which sometimes I can do if it's truss rod related. But if we're talking about, you know, having to steam off a neck on a, on a glued in instrument mm. and then you know, reseat it at the right angle and things. That's beyond my workshop capabilities because I'm not a full luthier. I'm a, I'm a tech. And that's an expensive specialist job. So, um, you know, uh, so I just, you know, these are little kind of things. Yeah. Just check out the action. Is it is it ballpark in the right place? Fine. Yeah. Carry spot on. The dangers. If it's grossly, yeah, spot the dangers. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, then, you know, look, electric guitars, the pickup condition, have a look at it. Again, used guitars used by people. You should expect it. They're not going to be pristine pickups necessarily, but, you know, are the pole pieces slightly rusted over from, you know, sweat and corrosion and grime? Is that interfering uh, with the with the way in which the guitar plays in any way? Um, are the pickup rings cracked? I see that quite a bit from people that have, you know, bashed heavily on a guitar. Again, it's not a deal breaker. You can very easily replace pickup rings, but you might want to want to try and negotiate a better price if that's the case. Um, microphonic issues, that's probably more of an issue with the pickups. So, you know, again, if you can plug it in and try it out, are, are you getting kind of strange squealing or humming noises? Or indeed, when you tap on any other parts of the guitar that are metal, does it feel like that sound is being amplified through the, the the amp as well to the point where the guitar has become microphonic? And that that microphonic issue can, again, uh, potentially be remedied if it's an expensive guitar and you want to keep the pickups by repotting them. But again, that's the cost. Or it might mean you've got to switch out the um, the pickups. Or, or it could be really some, something as simple as like the pickup casing on like on a PAF pickup is is a bit loose and causing vibrations that mean it's making it microphonic and just removing the pickup case could be could fix it but you know there's a whole yeah. heap of things it could be but what you want to do is check it out to see if there's an issue mm-hmm. and if there is have have a chat mm-hmm. about it before you buy the guitar mm-hmm. uh what else what else can we be checking out well i would say the bridge the bridge is a main contact piece with people kind of you know if, particularly if the person that's used it before is somebody that's you know has uh how do I say this nicely without it sounding disgusting, but kind of sweat that causes issues or corrosion to the yeah. guitar mm-hmm. happens, right? Uh, so, you know, make sure the saddle isn't sagged. If it's kind of like a ABR type Les Paul saddle where they can sag due to the pressure over the, the saddle itself, or if it's like a kind of strap or telly style saddle, just have a look and see, you know, how much corrosion, how much wear is there on the, on the saddle. It's all fixable. Um, but 
again, you don't necessarily want to buy the guitar thinking it's lovely and then you're experiencing all kinds of string breakages or action changes because the saddle itself is is not working in the way that it should because it's been corroded yeah. through uh, through use. Um, so that's one area. Uh, electrics, again, check, check them. Check they're all working. Check all the positions of the selector switch. If it's an electric guitar you're buying, um, turn all of the knobs and any of the push-pulls. Check, check for any crackling, audio dropouts, stuff just not responding in the way that it should electronically. Again, it's all fixable, but it could be a cost if you have to change out pots or, or anything like that. Uh, similarly for jack sockets while you're doing that check the jack socket make sure the, the plug goes in easily doesn't fall out um, there's no cracks or, or anything noisy um, I think that's I think that's pretty much pretty much the basic list of, 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 of checking it out you know guitars with trims and stuff like that have have again another series of checks you'd want to do make sure that the trim seems to be working it's not fouling on the guitar body or scratch plate in any way Um Again, trims are adjustable with spring tension and things. But I think if you run through that list of stuff and, you know, uh, then get a chance to play the guitar itself and feel that it's the right guitar that's playing and behaving itself for you, I think you'd probably come away with a with a really good guitar that you're happy with and you've done your, your due diligence on. Or you'll at least have a have a series of conversation points for the buyer where you go, look, I really love the guitar, but there's these couple of things that I've spotted that I think might need to be fixed. You know, can we have a chat about the price and, and see if they're open to mm-hmm. that or not? Um, so yeah, hopefully that hopefully that list is is a useful list for people just to, to kind of work. Through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I think that's really good because that's gonna it's gonna make you feel more comfortable going into a potential transaction as well with somebody else um, in knowing what you're checking, what you you know what you're potentially buying and spending good money on. Um, I think those things are all really important. I like I like the fact that you know is it clean. <laughs> As well, you know, surely the sellers actually put some effort into cleaning the thing up before, and that's a sign, isn't it? You know, it's, if you're, you're looking at somebody who's selling an instrument and their instrument is dusty and dirty, then you can expect that you know the guitar's been cared for in that manner, you know, over the years that that person's owned it uh, in a poor way. You know, I, I, I think so. I think so. Well, you know what I'm like about my cleanliness with, with, with stuff, but um, you know, it, it's 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 an interesting one. Now we're getting into kind of around the cosmetic side of it yeah. right which is you know you might have a guitar like i saw i saw uh i had one of these that i did for somebody it was a i think it was a bc rich uh but from from recollection which had literally just been stored in somebody's loft for, yeah. for god knows how many years um and it just you know not in a case or anything like that so it just accumulated a layer of of, of dust as you would imagine from that that amount of time so was it clean no because it had been stored in those conditions for an excessive period of time was there anything wrong with the guitar actually no once you'd once you'd got through all of that and cleaned it all out thoroughly it just it just hadn't been touched so but you know sometimes people if they haven't stored their guitars in correct conditions and it's covered in a layer of grime and that's because it's been stored in a garden shed somewhere you know and then you start to try and make adjustments to it and you realize the electrics have got moisture throughout them mm-hmm. or you know the neck is the neck is warped or you know the truss rod is all rusted and it's just not going to adjust those 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 are alarm bells versus somebody that's selling something that they've obviously loved and cared for and kept clean and and neat you go well you know, by and large, 
the, the, the kind of value of this guitar would seem to be inherent in the fact that somebody's cared for it. So, yeah, I think I think those kind of things. But the, the cosmetic side of it is, you know, if you're buying a used guitar, you've then got to set your <clears throat> barometer of how much cosmetic wear and tear you're willing to to kind of accept mm-hmm. uh, versus the price, you know. And we, we saw this when we were doing episode nine, right, where there was people that were kind of calling stuff player-grade guitars <laughs> or, you know, has been, has been gigged a bit. And you go, there's a difference between a, a couple of little dents or things here yeah. that show it's had a bit of a life and, and chunks missing out of something where it's been dropped or, you know, someone's booted it or someone's just dragged yeah. it, you know, <laughs> around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, people love a re- people love a relic guitar, right? But and that's fine if that's the look that you're mm. going for. But then you know, don't call it player grade guitar when it's just been blatantly abused. But if that's the look you're going for and that appeals to you, then then brilliant. You know, it's not an issue, right? But just make sure these aren't serious cracks yeah. that go through the guitar. You know, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, it's so funny. The thing I, it's so funny. Just isn't speaking it? about relic guitars as well, the thing I like about some of those relic guitars is where the where the, the that kind of uh, wear and tear that's happened or or has you know has been synthesized. It looks like the wear and yeah. tear that comes from playing a guitar or from a guitar being very well favoured yeah. over time because it's been played so yeah. much. Um, but when when somebody's yeah. got a guitar that, like you say, has got a chunk missing out of it because maybe somebody somebody <laughs> hit it with a Hoover. You know, whilst trying to clean, you know, yeah. vacuum clean yeah. whilst trying to clean them. That's not relicking. That's 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 abuse of the instrument. You can't say that. Oh, it's, it's missing. It's missing. It's you know, it's the strap button and it's got scratches across the bottom of it. That's not relicking. That's miscarred. No. But if it's got, you know, if it's got wear and tear across the scratch plate and a few places, you know, where your yeah. hand would be and your fingers on the fretboard, that is that. Yeah. That is, you know, the, the the love and affection of playing over time affecting the instrument. Is it? That's All it. The differences. That's it. <laughs> That, yeah, a little bit of buckle rash yeah. here, a little bit of kind of wear to the back of the neck where it's kind of smoothed out a bit of the kind of glossiness of it. And you go, ah, someone's loved this guitar exactly. and, and enjoyed playing it. And you go, that's character stuff. That's that's it. You know, versus, <laughs> <laughs> I love that analogy. Someone's hit it with the hoover. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's relics. It's not, it's not relics. That's the, Those are not the so same why is, no, why is no one out there? Uh, well, no one's out there relicking classical or acoustic guitars, no, exactly. aren't they? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> That's just damage. <laughs> yeah. Not what you're buying. Yeah. I've got another quick question for you, actually, before we kind of just go over the last the last points about buying, which is, yeah. um, do you think it's important to you as a buyer to do some, some deep research on the instrument that you're potentially looking to buy? Uh, because maybe you want to check for certain... Uh, if, you, if you don't fully understand the specifications of the guitar you're buying, you might not spot things that don't fit, you know? So, you know, like maybe you're looking to buy... I'm trying to think of an example. You're looking to buy a Les Paul that used to come with like a bone nut, and you and you don't notice when you're looking at it that it's just got a plastic nut. You know, should you be doing your research beforehand? Say, I know what the specs of this instrument should be from the factory, so that I know what to check for if there's anything different. Or maybe that comes down to helping you spot a fake instrument, which is a problem that we see in the marketplace. Well, it's a really good point, mate. I think it's just about this buying with confidence, yeah. isn't it? And um, fakes can be difficult to spot unless you really know your stuff, right? Unless you've got, here he is again, unless you've got Joe Bonamassa's like encyclopedic knowledge of whether somebody use, has used the period correct yeah. grub screw uh, to, to attach the scratch plate, 
which he will yeah, know. Exactly. He will know if you have if you've cheated him on the wrong type of grub screw, or, or you know, he'll he'll know. That's he'll it, be yeah. onto you. He'll be onto you. Um, and and that's amazing, right? That, I, I cover that level of knowledge where you can just look at a guitar and go, well, that's a, that's from this year, and because in this year they stopped using this particular yeah. piece of material and they switched out to using this, and you know. Uh, Bob, who was working in the factory at the time, had a particular preference for like zebra bobbins and all of that kind of stuff. And so I knew, you know, it's, it all gets a little bit too, too kind of crazy. But generally speaking, do do some yes. research, as as you've said, right? Um, does does the description make sense for that guitar? You know, does the price that that's a that's the biggest giveaway yeah. generally? You know, is it, does the price seem in keeping with the instrument or is somebody offering to sell you a, you know, a 58 Gibson Les Paul for, for $200. And you go, well, oh. <laughs> is it, is it real? Is that, is that right? Is it's that definitely right? Not. You know, you kind of, it's probably not. It's probably, it's probably if it not. Was, you know, if it was on, if a 58 Gibson was on sale for $200, Joe Bonamass would have bought it already. Surely. Exactly. Exactly. There's none left. There's none left on the market. He's got them all. Um, so, so yeah, the, the backstory kind of helps. Like, speak to somebody and say, mm. well, you know, where did you get this guitar? What's the age of it? How long have you had it? You know, these are all really reasonable questions. Um, has it been gigged? Um, you know, do, do a bit of research into into what you're trying to buy, and don't just necessarily take for granted that it's got Fender written on the headstock. That it's a it's a it's a genuine real deal. Um, especially if the price and backstory and things like that don't don't stack up. The other thing that I get quite a lot is people um, people are confused about they can't exactly remember when they bought their guitar or the age of it or um, you know. Uh, but there's this is this is where Google is brilliant. Mm. There's so many different um, uh, search engines that have been uh, built where you can do a serial number search on your guitar, select what manufacturer it is, and it will they'll tell it will tell you you know which factory it came out of, what the year of manufacture. All, all of that stuff you should be asking of the seller. Can you just tell me what the serial number is for the guitar, please? You know, um, if it's easily accessible. So, and they'll give it to you. Uh, Type that in. Do your research on the serial number to make sure the serial number stacks up with yeah. with what it is you're you're buying. Um, That's a really good tip. Don't know what, a, what what else what else do you think will give people confidence of buying stuff secondhand? Well, that's a question, really, isn't it? I think the problem here is it's mitigation, isn't it? You're always going to be looking for, like, and I guess, like we said at the beginning, you have to know, you know, that there's potential compromise to be made, and you have to, I guess, before you go into a transaction, try and try and mm. know beforehand what are you what are you willing to buy and what aren't you willing to buy, and don't waver from that standard of what what you expect for yourself. Um, and I think if you understand fully what that threshold is, you should know when you meet that threshold or you don't or you go past it and I think at some point then you can buy with confidence I think being armed with knowledge beforehand yeah. you know sitting down and thinking about you know what's what am I expecting for my money what what do I what do I accept and what will I not accept 
And if you if you can you can That's really it. define those things beforehand, then you'll you'll automatically, I guess, reach a point at some point in the buying cycle where you go, you know, I, this is acceptable for me if the price is right. So I yeah. guess there's some serious thought to do beforehand that I think will help you out as a buyer when you're looking to buy something, rather than just going, hey, I want a Les Paul. Uh, I'll go and look at that yeah, one. Yeah. You know, try and define it beforehand yeah. what you what you really want, um, and that's going to help you. Yeah, all. exactly. That's really cool. That's really cool advice. It's so difficult though, isn't it? As I, and we all do it. We all do it because we look at something and we go, oh, that well, looks it's, nice. It's very emotionally you know, that, that looks pretty. Actually. We want yeah. something that's going to make yeah. us feel good when we're playing guitar. So it, it looks good hung up yeah. on the wall. You know, it's it's a very emotionally led thing. It's not just, mm. I think this is also why I find it very easy to buy things like, you know, amps or pedals and stuff because those aren't, for me, very emotionally led. Mm. I view them as very much a functional thing. I want a particular sound. Right. Um, how can I get that sound? Um, whereas, but guitars yeah. are so tactile, you know, everything about them is such a, you know, sensory experience. Um, it's different, mm. isn't it, for guitars? Probably why I've never really, you know, maybe once or twice in my life um, bought secondhand guitars. Um, yeah. Uh, and not that you, not that you shouldn't, but I, you know, I just, <laughs> just haven't really. I think I'd find it yeah. quite hard, but I think what we've discussed today is really going to help a lot of people to, to, um, to have a better experience. You know, I mean, the tips that you've given exactly. is, is fantastic. They are fantastic to be grammatically correct. <laughs> um, and I think buying with confidence is the problem. You, you hit the nail on the head. How do mm. you buy with confidence? I think following all those tips and, uh, and, and being careful with what you do and trying to take the emotion out of the buying decision that you make um, is that's going to really help a lot of people to get some good bargains and to find the right thing. Yeah, exactly. That's all you could do, right? Because the heart wants yeah. what the heart wants, realistically. Even that list of stuff I've come up with, I still think every guitar I've ever bought has been based on the looks <laughs> of it. Yeah. Um, Oh, oh, for sure, for sure. I bought it because of how it lo- for how it is how it looks. But I've got that checklist of things to run through to make sure uh, that it's yeah. not a, a complete dog that I'm buying. And I know I can fix most yeah. of those things if they do yeah. turn out to be point points of negotiation and things. But I, I would say there are still quite a lot of things that I've walked away mm. from because. It's looked absolutely beautiful and, and my heart has gone, yeah, get that. It looks stunning. But then I've worked through that list and I've gone, no, I've got to be, I've got to be happy to walk away from this one because it's just not going to be a cost effective option. And like you say, you should, you know, it should be something that you find beautiful to look at as well, because if, even if it satisfies yeah. all of those points that you made and it plays brilliantly and it's in perfect condition, if it still looks like a Parker fly, you're not going to want to play it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 oh, poor Parker the fly. The multiplier of the guitar world. I mean... <laughs> Was it as ugly as the Fiat Multiplier? That is the worst car that anybody has ever yeah. decided to build in well, my life. Yeah. Gee whiz, the Parker Fly. That? Did they get? Did they get any endorsement? For, yeah, for, I think for, they did. I were, think, were there I any think, famous? Um, who was potentially who was like doing, Robert who was Fripp that? or something of, of King Crimson? Oh, really? King Crimson? King Crimson? Um, I don't know. Well, listeners, somebody correct us on this. Fact check alert. Somebody please tell us if uh, anybody check. ever. Uh, uh, took an endorsement with the Parker Fly, and if they are still a relevant musician, yeah. um. <laughs> it's guitar of the future, wasn't it? 
Was that carbon? Was it? Was it all carbon fiber? Like a, Did like it even car- have a yeah, real pickup? Right. Was it? John, I don't think it was car. I think it was like graphite. I think it had like a graphite neck, right. so you could play guitar with it and take notes, you know, with it, um, like a <laughs> like, pencil. Like a pencil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> probably a fantastic guitar probably like do you know what it plays beautifully but it did look like you know um i don't know it's almost like the design printed incorrectly and they just went ahead with it anyway <laughs> no oh do you, do you know what this is really taking me back down memory lane because i i felt for a brief moment when it came out in i guess what it must have been the 90s yeah. i really did think i really did think uh, i was worried that this was the future of where guitars yeah. were going to go because you know it's just like oh don't everyone start making guitars like this and phase out you know strats and les pauls and tellies and 335s and all these beautiful things that i coveted but couldn't mm-hmm. afford because i thought by the time i get around to being able to afford some of these if i if i ever do in my lifetime all that'll be left it'd be like a guitar shop full of park flies <laughs> <laughs> well do you know what this is and it's a subject for another podcast i think which is i because i've always found it strange how the guitar industry seems to be incredibly resistant to like modernization almost you know do you know what I mean you know the, all the pop, most popular guitars Strats and Les Pauls are still yeah. very old designs guitar amplification you know all the best guitar amps are stuff that still kind of you know people claim is 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 an old type design you know valve technology yeah um, and yeah. and there is a kind of a snobbery towards more modern technology like modeling and digital digitization yeah. and some of the yeah. more modern guitar I mean how how much were Gibson chastised when they brought out that robotic tuner on the Les Paul. Do you remember? Oh, I'm not saying it's oh, a good thing, but yeah, oh god, yeah. I still haven't forgiven them, and it wasn't even uh, it, it wasn't even JC's kind of making. This was this was in the Henry Henry years, but. I as as like a, as somebody that is really like steeped in marketing and brand mm. building uh in in my day job like when that came out I was literally using it as an example in kind of uh training <laughs> marketeers on how to single-handedly destroy your brand equity yeah. and value and heritage by literally strapping on you know a robot tuner onto one of the most beautiful things yeah. ever made it uh, it's just like putting a solar panel on a roll Royce and going, yeah, we found a new way to power yeah. this. It's just but I like- do find it bizarre how, you know, almost every other area of technology, um, you know, progression and modernization seems to make improvements. Whereas in our industry, yeah. it's almost, it's, it's almost looked down upon, you know, it's kind of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. What Leo Fender did in 1952 well, you know why that is. is still the best thing. But why yeah. is that? Why can't we accept improvements in technology uh, as a good thing in the guitar industry? It doesn't seem to be admired bizarre well i I know the i know the reason we've come full circle we've given him a lot of abuse but i think we've got to actually thank (laughs) joe bonamassa for not buying up the world's supply of parker flies in 1990 (laughs) all hail to joe bonamassa not being a fan of the parker fly could you imagine the alternate reality where where a young joe bonamassa all of a sudden lusted after a parker fly and went on guitar safari and bought every single one of them we'd, we'd be we'd be all living Oh my oh god. Oh god, in a horrible universe where Parker Fly was the oh only no. thing that we could we could Can you buy. Imagine that. It's like some kind of <laughs> North Korea of 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 guitar playing. <laughs> 
there'd be all these 59 Les Pauls sat there kind of corroding in uh, in junkyards going, nobody loved me anymore because Joe bought all the Parker flies. Yeah, yeah you can't go there. <laughs> well, there we go. We put the world to rights. So, so buy me confidence, do your research, define what you're happy with, be confident in the choice yeah. you're making, try and allow for, uh, you know, the time to inspect and know what you're inspecting. Um, most importantly, and you said it at the end, be prepared to walk away if you're not happy. Mm. Fantastic. Absolutely. Good stuff. Well, that was a good one, man. I really enjoyed that. Um, and I hope everyone else did too. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. The first thing I'm doing after this podcast is going on to Reverb and seeing if I can buy a Parker Fly. <laughs> I really want one now. The Fiat Multipler of guitars. <laughs> oh, if you've never seen a Fiat Multipler, go Google that. That's, oh, man, I'm going to drive around to Bonamassa's house in my Multipler with like a Parker Fly and see flies. if we can... <laughs> See if we can be yeah, friends. This is a gold top Parker fly. <laughs> this is a 59 Parker fly. <laughs> it's a Parker fly with a big spoon. <laughs> Imagine that. It's called, it's called the traditional model. Parker fly with a big spoon. The meeting of That's two it. worlds. Yeah. <laughs> but in racing wheels. It's a carbon, carbon fibre big spoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear I feel slightly queasy now all of a sudden <laughs> yeah me too so anyway go on, go and look at a picture of a Fiat Multiple then a Parker Fly and then you'll probably feel as queasy as I do as well right <laughs> good stuff alright Kieran Met cracking chat and I will speak to you next week yeah lovely to speak to you buddy have a great Fantastic. week see you again see next you later, week bye bye <laughs> Another really interesting conversation this week. We hope you enjoyed it. Come back for more next week from the Guitar Smarts team. Come say hello to us on our social media pages. Remember to like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts so you never miss a show. Thanks again and see you soon.